Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Galatians, chapter 4. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Abraham, I've got a great idea. Why don't you sleep with my servant Hagar and we'll have a son through her? And Abraham says, okay. <laughs> now, you sure about that now? Because you know how y'all women are. Y'all come up with something and then later, I'll do it, but I don't want to hear no mess afterward. Because, you know, ladies, y'all got a steel trap memory. <laughs> women have a steel trap memory. They will remember stuff that happened 2,900 years ago. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, you did that same thing. Yeah, I'm, so, oh, I'm sick of you. You did that back in 1968 on May 14th at 7.30. You named the street address, the old phone number, the zip code. Yeah, you did the same thing. Women have steel trap memory. Abraham probably said, Sarah, now, are you sure? Honey, now, listen, tell you what, why don't I just get that in writing? Because I'm going to write this down. You sign it because I, I don't want to have no problems. But Sarah, Abraham, listen, and Hagar are attempting to be God's little helpers to obtain the promise of God. And God is taking too long for them. They have Ishmael through the energy and the efforts of the flesh. Saints, listen to me close. If God, listen to me close. If God, listen to me close. If God makes a promise, he does not need your help to bring it to pass. Can you clap your hands for the Lord? Because that is true. God does not need your help to bring it to pass. When God makes a promise, God will bring it to pass. And I think what we need to learn is to be patient and to wait on the Lord to bring it to pass. And how many people get impatient and afraid and They won't allow God to do what God wants to do to bring that promise to pass. And so they try to help God. And by the way, saints, that's bondage. You know, to some, God has made a promise that they will marry. God's made you a promise. Someday you're going to get married. And that man or that woman doesn't come quick enough. And then they go out and start to help God. They go on. I keep forgetting that. What is it? uh, Daters, daters.com or uh, eHarmony. That's what y'all know. Y'all know what it is. Y'all just trying to act like you don't know. Y'all sitting there like, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know what it is. So you go, well, you know, God said I was going to get married, you know, and they got the, e- oh, they got the Christian version of eHarmony now too, don't they? The Christian version of what in the world is that? 
Hello, you don't need to go on eHarmony to try to find. You go on eHarmony and you try to get a hookup with a date and you meet somebody and find out the man was a serial killer. You don't need that. What you need is to wait on the Holy Spirit. And saints, let me tell you, look, I'm talking to single people now. Husbands, wives, y'all can tune out right here. Single people. If God made you a promise, then God will bring that promise to pass, and, and you are to wait on God. You do not want to be married to someone that God has not given you. Trust me, you will be better off by yourself in a TV dinner. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, two people. Okay, fine. You don't want to be married to an unbeliever because your life will be a living hell. Marriage is wonderful when you are married to the person that God has called you to be married to. But when you are married to a person that God had nothing to do with that, God did not ordain that person to be married to you. God has nothing to do with it. Matter of fact, the person is not even a believer. I see it all the time as a pastor, all the time. People come up, oh, Pastor Rodney, oh, I found me a man. Really? Yeah, oh, he's so cute. He's so, oh, 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 he's so cute. I can't stand it. Cute little button nose. I can't stand it. And I'm just watching him just going on and on and on. Oh, and then my first question is to them is, is he a Christian? Well, well, um, uh, um, um, Susan will start hearing, um, 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 in Houston, we got a problem. <laughs> um, well, 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 um, we're, we're working on that. Um, well, he goes to church. Is he a Christian? Well, uh, he told me he was baptized when he was a baby. Uh, is he a Christian? Well, well, he has a job. <laughs> I'm like, well, that's good, sweetie. He has a job. But is he a Christian? Well, well he, he's tell, he goes to church like on, he's a two-timer. What do you mean? He goes to church twice a year, Easter and Christmas. Is he a Christian? Let me tell you. Going to church does not make you a Christian no more than if you stand in McDonald's makes you a hamburger. Did you hear me? Going to church does not make you a Christian. But what happens is we, we oftentimes you think that your influence can cause him to become a Christian. When in fact, it usually works the other way around. That's a whole nother sermon. Please don't make me go there. That's a whole nother sermon. It works the other way around. What you need to do is wait on the Lord and wait until God brings you a man. Don't try to help God bring to pass his promise. If God made you a promise, he completely is able and capable to bring that promise to pass without your help. And as a matter of fact, if you wait on him and you do it without and, and, and the promise comes to pass without your help, what happens is you wind up giving God more glory because you know he did it and you didn't do it. If you understand what I'm saying, can you say amen? amen. Huh. So you don't want to help God. People move ahead of God because they don't trust the promise and they don't trust the word of God that God gave them. You know, I remember sometime it was a bumper sticker and it said, God said it, that settles it, and I believe it. I like to add to it, and I will wait for it because it's very true. We need to wait on God. And whenever we decide to take things into our own hands and we become God's little elves, God's little helpers, 
What comes out of that is the flesh. The son that Hagar had was Ishmael. And Ishmael represents the flesh and Ishmael represents bondage. Notice in your Bibles again in verse 22, go ahead and look at it. But the free woman, the free woman is who? Sarah had a son and his name was who? Isaac. Now again, let's go over the story. We have Abraham. Give me your attention. He is 100 years old. Sarah is no spring chicken. She's about 90 years old. Abraham is still talking about the child that God is going to bring forth. Ishmael, get this, at this time would be approximately 14 years old. So God showed up with the angels and talks with Abraham, and God said, Sarah is going to have a child, and Sarah's listening. Remember the story in the Bible? Sarah's listening at the tent door, and when God tells Abraham that she's going to have a child, Sarah begins to laugh. And when Sarah begins to laugh, she goes, yeah, 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 I'm going to have a child. Sure, I'm going to have a child. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm old. And Abraham is broke down. You know you're old when you're broke down, okay? <laughs> Abraham is broke down. She's old. And she's thinking, oh, yeah, right. I'm going to have a child. And she starts to laugh. Well, God heard her laugh. And God said, Sarah, why did you laugh? She said, no, I didn't. God said, yes, you did. She said, no, I didn't. The Bible's hilarious. Read it. It's in the Bible. She goes, yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. And God said, I tell you what. Well, why don't we just name your son laughter to remind you that you didn't laugh and you'll remember that for the rest of your life. So notice in verse 24, again, in your Bibles, Paul says these things are symbolic. Are you looking at verse 24? If you're looking at it, say I'm looking at it. These things are symbolic or an allegory or an illustration of two covenants. One covenant from Mount Sinai, which gives birth to bondage, and that's Hagar. Hagar represents the law. She represents a slave woman and symbolizes Mount Sinai, which represents a system of obedience to the Mosaic law. She's a picture of those trying to keep the law, which is fleshly and bondage. And it corresponds to Jerusalem, which now is in bondage with with her children. And that's a reference to the sacrifices, the temple, the attempt to keep the law. All of these things are bondage. Now listen to this. To the Judaizers, like the Pharisees, they were very proud of their ethnicity. They were very proud of their ethnic heritage. They were Jews. They were sons of Abraham. And Paul is saying, you are sons of Abraham, but watch this, but your mother is Hagar, not Sarah. Now, in this culture, your mother determined your social status. So Paul says, yes, physically you are descendants of Isaac, but spiritually, in the way that it counts, you are descendants of Ishmael. Now, if you were a Jew and somebody calls you an Ishmaelite, listen to this. If you're a Jew and someone calls you an Ishmaelite, them there is fighting words. (laughs) Jewish people hated to be called Ishmaelites because Ishmael was the ancestor of the Canaanites and other groups of people that were not connected to God. 
And these are people who opposed Israel for hundreds of years. So if you call the Jewish person an Ishmaelite, even today, that is an insult. Paul is saying again and making the point, the true descendants of Abraham and Sarah are all of those who believe, not necessarily those with Jewish blood flowing in their veins. True descendants are all of those Jews and Gentiles, blacks and whites, Japanese, Chinese, Filipino, Indian, Hispanic, all of those who believe in God by faith. Then look at verse 26. But the Jerusalem which is above is free and is the mother of us all. Again, Paul quotes Isaiah 54 verse 1. Rejoice, O barren, O barren, you who do not bear, break forth and shout, you who are not in labor, for the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. Now this verse is a reference talking about the Gentiles who will be gathered in. And get this, many great Bible scholars believe that in the scope of Christendom, Christianity, that in the end there will be more Gentile believers than Jewish believers. And they believe that based on this verse that talks about the desolate has many more children than she who has a husband. And we are like Isaac in that we are the children of promise. And being the children of promise, we are persecuted by those who are children of the flesh. And isn't that true? I mean, we're persecuted. Children of promise. That would be you, believer. Persecuted by those who are children of the flesh. You know, when you're walking in the spirit, free to love God, free to serve God, you're walking around with the joy of the Lord. The children of the flesh, or in this case, religious people, Judaizers, religious people, they give you the hardest time, don't they? I find, listen, you probably agree with this. I find that religious people are the hardest people to deal with in the church. Religious people are harder to deal with than non-believers. I would rather often deal with a non-believer than a religious person. You're talking to religious people, they're like, oh, you know, I know, praise God, hallelujah. They got all the Christian lingo down. You know, they got a big old Bible, big coffee table Bible. They bring the real big ones so they want you to know how spiritual they are. The real big Bible carrying it like this, need help getting it in. Religious folks. How you doing? Hey, how are you? Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, I'm doing good. Blessed going in, coming out. Oh, blah, 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 blah. It's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Man, I just asked how you're doing. I don't need all that. Religious people. Well, you got a problem in your life? Well, let me tell you what the scriptures say. Scriptures say. Religion, I, I'm, I'm personally, I, I just do not like religious people. I think we need to be real in Christ. Don't misunderstand me. I don't mean we need to be fleshly. I mean we need to just be real in Christ. Religious people are hard to deal with. Non-believers, they will tell you, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't believe in God. I don't want anything to do with God. I don't want anything to do with you. Get away from me before I shoot you. Okay, I can handle that. I will leave right now. You know, non-believers are just as simple as that. They are straight about it. And can I tell you something? God can deal with a non-believer easier than he can deal with a religious person. 
Because a religious person thinks they don't need God. I don't need any more of God. That's the problem God had with the Pharisees. Don't you understand? They thought they knew. They thought they had the word of God. They thought they had Father Abraham. And they had no need for God. They thought they knew the scriptures. And Jesus says, you don't know the scriptures. Jesus said, you search the scriptures, and in them you think you have life. But they are they which testify of me. Hello, fella, buddy, you're missing me. That's your problem. You're religious. Persecuting those of the promise. Look at verse 30 again. We got to look at verse 30 again. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? You looking at verse 30? You looking at verse 30? Say amen if you're looking at it. Nevertheless, what does the scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. Now again, saints, give me your attention. I told you by the end of this sermon, you're going to have a great understanding of the Old Testament. Here we have another story when God told Abraham, Genesis 22, This is one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. Genesis 22, God told Abraham to go to Mount Moriah and to sacrifice Isaac. And God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac. Was was Isaac Abraham's only son? No. He had another son. His name was who? Okay. But God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son. God did not say, take your second son. God did not say, take your other son. God said, take your son, your only son. In other words, if Ishmael represents the flesh, then what we learn from that, saints, is that God does not ever, no, not ever recognize the work of the flesh. God didn't even acknowledge Ishmael. He said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac. Isaac was the son of promise. And you remember when Isaac was born, Genesis 21, Sarah saw Ishmael mocking Isaac. Genesis 21, which is probably, by the way, go ahead and peek at verse 29 again, which is probably a reference to verse 29. But as he who was born according to the flesh then persecuted him who was born according to the spirit. Genesis 21 is probably, probably a reference to that. As Sarah saw Ishmael mocking Isaac and Sarah said, Abraham, we cannot have two women in the kitchen cast out the bondwoman and her son. And the Bible tells us Abraham's heart was broken. And Hagar and Ishmael left. Now watch this, saints, please. If you heard nothing else I said, please hear me. Sarah, watch this, could live with Hagar and Ishmael until the son of promise was born. Once Isaac was born, then Hagar and Ishmael had to go. Did you hear me? You know where I'm going? Sarah, I'm going to say it again because Sarah could live, she could live with Hagar and Ishmael. They represent the law. They represent the flesh. Could live with, 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 with Hagar and Ishmael until the promise was born. Once Isaac, the promise was born, then Hagar and Ishmael had to go. 
what does that teach us? Huge lesson. When we give our lives to Christ, before you give your life to Christ, you relate to the law in one way. And how, how often is that true? People who don't know God, do you know God? Well, you know, you, uh, you know well, I'm a good person. How, how are you a good person? Well, I keep the Ten Commandments. I'm a good person. Well, actually, there were 632 commandments, but okay, let's just work with 10. You keep the Ten Commandments. Oh, I'm a good person. You relate to the law one way before you hear of the promise of the gospel. And once you hear the promise of the gospel and once you learn that Jesus died to set you free from the law, then you have to cast out out the law, cast out the bondwoman and her son because you now understand the promise. If you understand me, say, Pastor, I understand. You see, before you become a Christian, you relate to the law one way. But when you give your life to Christ and you understand the promise and the blessings and the hope and the joy that God has for you, well, now you, 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 you got to let go of the law. You can't have it both ways. You can't walk in two covenants. That's what I'm saying. You cannot walk in two covenants. You can't walk in the covenant of the law and a covenant of grace at the same time. When you begin to receive the covenant of grace, you've got to cast out the covenant of the law or cast out that bondwoman. Paul is saying to these Galatian Christians who are following the Judaizers, you can't add anything to grace. Don't you know the equation, Calvary Chapel people, help me. Grace plus nothing equals salvation. You can't add to grace. You can't add to what Jesus freely did for you on the cross. Don't you hear me? You can't add to that. The promised blessing was all going to be God. It's all God. And receiving it was all believing by faith. And you're filled with the Spirit, and that's all God. And we are children of the free woman and not the bond woman, and that is all God. And notice what Paul says. He's saying the inheritance can't go to both. You got to make a decision in verse 30. Cast out the bondwoman, her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. Now, don't misunderstand me. Ishmael was not necessarily a bad man. That's not what I'm saying. But Ishmael wasn't a blessed man either. He wasn't blessed to receive the glorious covenant given to Abraham and his descendants. That was the inheritance of one heir, and that would be Isaac. And the Isaacs of the world are persecuted. They also have an inheritance that the Ishmaels of the world will never know. We are heirs of God through grace and not works. So we need to cast out the legalism, cast out the sin in your life so that you can walk in freedom. Cast out the bondwoman. And you can't walk in freedom until you cast out. Whatever your problem, whatever your situation, you got to cast it out in order to walk in freedom. Whatever your sin You've got to cast out that bondwoman and her son. God is saying you've got to deal with that flesh. And the only way to deal with the flesh, the only thing to do is to cast it out. Listen, if you want to cast out darkness, you have to bring in the light. Can you say amen? 
You know, you walk into this room and it's dark. What do you do? You start fighting and swinging at the darkness? No, not unless you're crazy. You need Zoloff or something. No, you walk in a dark room and you go, wow, it's dark in here. What should I do? Oh, I know what I'll do. I'll turn on the light. And you cast out the darkness. And so whatever your situation is, you've got to cast that thing out. You know, I want to read you something as we close. And I'm going to get everyone to close their eyes. If you wouldn't mind, just kind of close your eyes, maybe bow your heads, forget about your neighbor, forget about all of that. And I want you to just close your eyes and listen to, to, to this poem that I'm going to read you. And as I read it, I want you to kind of fill in the blank when you hear the word it. When you hear the word it, you just fill in the blank. And it's entitled it. Listen, they laugh and smile and talk and embrace. And I do too. But sometimes my smile covers a tear and no one knows. Right now, my tear is from it. I'm sorry. So very sorry I did it. I feel like a broken record and the skip is the it that never completely goes away. What would they think if they knew my it? Would, they, would the laughs vanish? The smiles disappear? Would the talk be heralded at me? The embrace taken back? Do they have it? What do they do with it? Why do we act for each other where there is no play. There is only life. And that life includes a lot of it. The point is not to celebrate it, but only to admit it. I am told that Jesus knows everything, which means he knows about it. And yet he whispers to me words too good to be true. I died for you. Don't worry about it. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a salt.